And so I'm in staff meeting. I had come together like that, and I'm praying. And, you know, you know we're there, Bill, Tammy, we're going through things and, and church business and what have you. And I just, I, I think Tammy started mentioning something, and I, and I said, you know what? We need to do a VBS. We need to do a vacation. We need to reach the children. We don't have time. We don't have a lot of time. We need to reach the children for Christ. And I'm thinking, you know, the thousand people living back here, New Cumberland, the area, and I just, I, a part of me was like, you know, fear comes over you at first. Lord, how are we going to do this? We're young fellowship. And we only have, what, 130, 140? How are we going to put together? And I felt like the Lord says, you know what? Monday through Friday, you do it in the evening, six to nine. Parents can come out and help. We need to get people out like that. Because to do a nine to five, a lot of them already have commitments. We're kind of late to this, eight weeks to go, okay? And I started looking at it, and I just had this peace come over me. Such a peace where I said, parents can drop their children off. They can go through. We can have tents set up outdoor. And then at the end of it, we'll culminate with our Jubilee. Now, you know what Jubilee is in the Bible every 50 years. But we'll culminate with our Jubilee, Jubilee Day where then the parents can come back out with their children and celebrate with us. And we'll give the gospel. And we'll have a, you know, the tent set up with the ice cream, the jumpy, jumpy, all the things to reach out to the community and just let them know they're loved right where they are. No strings attached. We don't want anything from them. We just want to give them the love of Jesus. And if, 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 you know, if a lollipop is the thing that they're like, oh, wow, then give them a lollipop. You know what I mean? Let's get them here. Let's have them hear the gospel. This is a huge undertaking. And the reason I'm bringing it on a Wednesday is because I'm praying we get a couple hundred kids. I would love to see them all come into the sanctuary. We'll do worship together. We'll do a couple skits. We'll have them break off do teaching appropriate, and then games at the end, 9 o'clock or 8 o'clock, excuse me, they get picked up, 30-minute Bible teaching. It'll be beautiful. What's, what's coming? My ask. We're going to need volunteers. If we get a lot of these kids, like I need everybody pulling in on this one. I just felt like God was saying to me, time is short. We're not here to collect dust. He didn't bless us with this beautiful place just to let it, you know, during the Make it use. Open up the house of God to people that they may come in and believe and call upon his holy name. And that's what I'm praying about. Please start praying with me. Be praying with us here to understand how this is all going to happen. I know Vanessa's going to work on some of the video, the arts and crafts of it to make the, we'll send the thing out to the neighbors. I know Bill's going to put together a team of you know, evangelists that'll go door to door. We, we want to we hit 8,000 people. I don't mean physically. I, I think he wants to hit 1,000 people physically. But I mean, the other seven, yeah, I know, I'm aiming low. The other 7,000 we'll do through mailers. We'll let people know, hey, you know, it, you don't, no money needed. Just come out. It's okay. Just come out as you are and hear the gospel. Here, you know, get involved in activities. You know, we're going to get into some Christian fun. How about that? So please be praying with us. So we're going to need help Monday through Friday. We're going to also need help on Saturday. We're going to be renting tents. We're going to be, we've never done something to this scale for, for us. I mean, we've done the Jubilee days where we gather for park days, and we've done those for the last few years, and they've been wonderful. But when we did the cookout, some of you were able to attend, some of you weren't. We didn't really, we put a board out there, and we said, hey, we're going to be doing this for the, the faith playbook. We had at least 20 or 30 of our neighbors, just from a board, come out. And they sat down and they, well, tell us a little bit about you. What, what do you, you know, very curious. Some of them, you know, came in for the faith playbook and sat and watched it for a little bit. And I thought, my Lord, I've never seen that. Even in Railroad Avenue, I mean, we, we would, you know, we never saw that kind of people just coming out like that. Now for the faith playbook, you know, they're all like, yeah, we don't care about the football. We ate, 
we're going home, right? But I thought it was very good. But for some of them, they, you know, they're like, eh, we, we wanted more to get to know people. And so I, I imagine, what if we put up the whole parking lot? We set it up like that, and we put parking over on the other side, up and down the street, and we have tents set up where people can come in, and you know, they can make bracelets and learn about Jesus, and they're making the bracelets. People can begin talking to them about who Jesus is, and why are the colors crimson, red, and stained? What did his blood do? Why did it wash us, and how did it wash us? And if we can reach these kids, that's a next generation. I don't know how much time we have left. We have no time. <laughs> I don't know. God knows that. But we don't, I know we don't have a lot of time left. Amen? All right. So please be praying. There'll be more about coming out. But book your calendars. I need all of you. I need all of you. We just need to be, we need to, we need to roll up our sleeves. We need to do this for Christ. We'll rest in September. All right? We'll rest in September. All right. While we're here tonight, how about we open our Bibles and get into the Word of God? Amen? All right, First Peter, I'd like us to do devotional reading. If you're sitting and you don't mind, stand, please. We're going to read devotionally together, um, responsive reading. I'll begin in verse 5, and I'd like us to conclude with verse 10. I'll start with 5, and you start with 6, okay? Now, this is in context of the priesthood. First Peter's writing about that, and we're going to be spending some time about, with that today because we're going to look at Aaron and his sons being consecrated unto the Lord, priests. So we're going to be reading a little bit about this, and, and this is for us today, because in case you didn't notice, this is in your New Testament, and this is under the New Covenant. And so God has a place for this in our hearts and our homes and our lives. So I'll begin with verse 5, and then again we'll conclude with uh, verse 10. You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer us spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Oh, I love that. No means be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believes he is precious, but those who are disobedient, the stones which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. But you, I'm looking at all of you tonight here as I say this, but you, all of you, are a chosen generation. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. Wow. His own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into marvelous light. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, my. We do appreciate, Lord God, being able to be called your chosen people, a special people, Lord, a chosen priesthood, Lord God, proclaiming your praises, your love. Lord, we don't deserve any of this. God, there's nothing we, we could ever do to deserve this, but God, you loved us so much. God, you gave us your presence. You gave us your son. You gave us your word that we wouldn't stumble, that we would see. 
Lord, we were blind, but now we see, God. And Lord, all we want to do is praise your holy name. We want to love you. We want to be ministered tonight. And we want to minister to you, God. We know when we raise our voices on high in worship, Lord God, we minister to you. Thank you, God, for the, the offering and the gifts you've brought here tonight, Lord. We thank you for that. We know it's all of what you've provided, God. We thank you for this building, Lord. We thank you for the seats and the chairs, the air conditioning, the protection from the elements, Lord, the electricity and power, Lord. God, we thank you. It all comes from you, our great provider, our great sustainer. And so, God, meet us here right now, Lord Jesus. As we go through chapter 29 and we look about a consecration, Lord, devotion, and what that looks like, God. We are your chosen people, and we need to be devoted unto you, God. We pray this and proclaim this in your name, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, you may be seated and turn back in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 29. You might remember we've come this far. We've been looking at the garments of the priesthood previously in chapter 28 up until this point. We looked at the ephod, the breastplate. We went through and looked at the priestly garments. And now we're going to look at Aaron and his sons and the consecration of which he's going to do. And remember all of this while this is going on. Where is Aaron? He is down off the mountain, isn't he, with the people. And what is he doing at this very moment? In chapter 32, we find out. He is making an idol. Do we serve a God of grace? Oh my, do we ever serve a God of grace. And think about this. You know, Abihu, you know, Nadab, as we read in Leviticus, God is going through and he's given a pattern to Moses of how worship's supposed to be done, of how all this is going to be consecrated. The people, specifically Aaron and his sons, given unto priesthood, a royal priesthood that way. And they're going to serve. And, and yet, in spite of all that, we see that we know that in Leviticus, they're not going to follow the prescription that God's given for worship. And what's going to happen? They're going to be consumed. It's, it's profane worship. They go and they worship the way they want to worship. Not the way God wants to worship, or God wants us to worship, or desires that worship. And what happens? The profane fire, remember that? They bring up fire, profane, and it consumes them. Aren't you glad you're under the new covenant? You know, I mean, think about how many children today, how many adults. Man, you talk about thinning out the herd, right? Thinning out the population under the Old Testament law. Aren't you glad we're not under the ceremonial practices and that it all spoke to Jesus Christ and it all was about the testimony of grace and love? That's what it was always about. It was always about Christ. And as we go through here tonight, and, and we're going to do it at a pretty fast clip. We're going to go chapter 29, 30, and 31 as the Lord should lead. We're going to move through this. I'm not going to exegete all that much through little points. I'll bring it out. But, but it, I want you to understand this is all pointing to Jesus. So as we begin here in verse 1, it says, And this is what you shall go down to them, or to hollow them, right, for ministering to me. So he says, this is what you're going to do to them. Hollow, what is that? To make holy, to set apart? To me as what? As priests. Are they to Aaron? No, they're to God. Are we to be here to worship for ourselves? Or are we to worship and glorify the living God? It's God. That's the point of reference. That's the noun there. That, that's who this is about. Right? 
Glory to heaven, glory to God. Take one young bull and two rams without blemish, and unleavened bread, unleavened cakes mixed with oil, and unleavened wafers anointed with oil. You shall make them of wheat flour. You shall put them in one basket and bring them in the basket with the bull and the two rams. Now, just so you know, as we're reading on, what is happening here is God is preparing the priesthood. He's preparing Aaron and his sons before that they can go and take the animal of sacrifice to offer his sin for the people. What has to happen first? There's a sacrifice that's needed for who? For Aaron and the priests first. And often God, doesn't he, before we minister to somebody else, doesn't he minister to us first? Doesn't he speak to our hearts and teach us, show us our fallacies, our hearts, our error? And then we begin to go and we, we then proclaim the good news to others. But he begins with us in our hearts. And he says, this is what's happening. And then we're going to see right after that, or right before that, excuse me, we're going to see also this cleansing. There has to be a cleansing. So it says, and you shall put them in one basket and bring them in the basket with a bull and with two rams. And Aaron and his sons you shall bring to the door of the tabernacle of meeting and you shall wash them with water. This is a picture of, of cleansing here. The same thing that Jesus Christ did for us. He washed us and cleansed us that we are free without sin. Sin has no part in us. We, now we are sinners and we need to repent. It's not as though we overcome sin that way. But we've been cleansed in the blood of Christ. We're going to talk about blood tonight. Some of you are going to go, oh, my stomach. This is important. Life is in the blood. And it says to wash them with water. Then you shall take the garments, put a tunic or a coat on Aaron, and the robe of the ephod, the ephod and the breastplate, and gird him with the intricately woven band of the ephod. That's the sash area. You shall put the turban on his head. Do you remember what it said on the turban in the Hebrew? Holy is the Lord. Your translation might say holiness to the Lord. But in the Hebrew, it's holy is the Lord. You shall put the turban on his head and put the holy crown on the turban. And you shall take the anointing oil. What does oil always represent in the, the Bible? Holy Spirit. Pour it on his head as an anoint, and anoint him, excuse me, right? Then you shall bring his sons and put tunics on them. Hold your finger here. Turn to Psalm 133. Go to Psalm 133 here. We get a little bit more detail of what this was like. Psalm 133, it says, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Amen. Can I get an amen? Amen. It is like that precious oil upon the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down on the edge of his garments, it is like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion for the Lord commanded the blessing, life forevermore. This is a beautiful picture of God consecrating Aaron and this filling, this filling of the Holy Spirit that's just consuming him. This oil that runneth over like that. Complete. You know, there's, he doesn't walk away without drenched, man. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit or refilled like that, you don't come away going, well, I kind of got filled. No, 
you get a complete feeling. God doesn't do anything halfway. You come away blessed, man. You're filled. You've, you, you know it. You smell like it. There's a holy smell. We're going to read about that. There's, it's beautiful. And you're able to do the things God's called you to do, not of your own resources, but of his. Isn't that wonderful? He says, you're going to bring your son, talking to Aaron, and put tunics on him. He's given this all a pattern to Moses, right? Remember, Aaron's down on the mount, he's on the bottom of the mountain. Moses is upside, you know, up there on top of the mountain, getting this one-on-one. And you shall gird them with sashes and Aaron and his sons and put hats on them. The priesthood shall be theirs for a perpetual statute. So you shall, circle that word, consecrate Aaron and his sons. You're to set them apart for this work. You're to dedicate, you're to devote, and you're to set them apart. Now, we just read something in 1 Peter, didn't we? Chapter 2. And I looked at all of you and I said, but, and I said, we are that priesthood today, are we not? Did God not tell us we are a royal priesthood, a peculiar people? Sorry, I'm using the King James translation. A, a, a special people that way? Did we not read that together in First Priest in First uh, Peter chapter two, verses five through nine, like that, or ten? We did, and it says the same thing. That it's this idea: Are we dedicated? Are we devoted to Christ that way? Yes. The answer ought to be yes, Christian. The answer ought to be yes, friend. If you're a born-again believer in Christ, you're dedicated to him. You are blood-bought. You belong to him. Do you have that heart of devotion? Do Do you have that heart where you want to praise the living God? Do you wake up in the morning and the first thing you think about is Jesus? And as you go to bed, the last thing you think about is Jesus. That's devotion. That's dedication. That's being holy and set apart. I mean, we need to call it what it is, right? I mean, you're not coming here because you want to be comfortable. You're coming here because you want to be more like Jesus by the washing and renewing of his word. And he promises to do that in all of us. He promises to finish the work that he's begun in us. So if there's not that devotion, pray right now, Lord, light that fire again in me. Give me that heart, Lord, that heart of worship. Consecrate me, Lord. I am your priest, a priest that's to worship and glorify the living God. Well, verse 10, you shall also have the bull brought before the tabernacle, meaning an Aaron and his son shall put their hands on the head of the bull. So we see sacrifice being made for Aaron first. Before it could be made for anyone else, Aaron had to have his sin dealt with. His sin had to be dealt with. Then you shall kill the bull before the Lord by the door of the tabernacle meeting. You shall take some of the blood of the bull and put it on the horns of the altar with your finger and pour all the blood beside the base of the altar. So, you know, you begin to look at this. If you skipped over to verse 20 for a moment, you'll see that he's going to eventually take this blood and he's going to tip the tip of it and he's going to put it on the ear. He's going to put it on, you know, the thumb that way. He's going to put it on the toe and... He's going to sprinkle it around the altar. There's something significant about the blood here. You know, and again, I know a lot of people, they start to talk about blood. They get a little woozy, maybe. Well, I don't, Pastor, I didn't come here tonight to hear about blood. You know, I don't want to talk about that. But, you know, I'm going to tell you something. That's real love. This is real love. Jesus, I mean, the gospel, it's all about giving. And it was his blood. It was his blood that we were given. 
that ushered in the new covenant. And it's power in the blood. You know? It's so that we could be his sons that way. It's so that we could enter in to the covenant. Something had to deal with the sin and our sin nature. It had to be dealt with. Didn't it? And Jesus Christ was the only one outside of creation that could come into his universe that he created and through his shed blood not cover the sin. We're going to talk about atonement in a little bit here. He didn't atone completely in the way the Hebrew uses the word atone. That's a covering. He didn't just take our sin and sort of cover it with some stuff the way that, you know, remember when you were younger, some of you, I know you didn't do it, I did it, it's all me, but I'd go in my room, mom was going to come in or dad was going to come in, they were going to expect the room. Is it clean? What would I do? I got a bed. What did I do? I lift up the covers, put some stuff under the bed, put the covers down, clean. But was it really clean? No. Every year they had to do an atonement for the sin. It was perpetual. It would not end. They had to keep doing that. Hundreds of thousands of animals sacrificed, blood poured out for the sin of mankind. For, for just, we see here, this is just the installation of the priesthood. We haven't even got to the daily sacrifice yet. This is just the installing of the priest. And the blood that had to be poured because of the sin of man. Because of original sin of Adam. It had to be dealt with. And this atoning, but, but Jesus had something far better than that. He didn't want to just take and, and just cover it. No, he, he removed it. He eliminated it. He, he no longer can see it. He, it. It's not there. We can remember it. He doesn't even remember it, nor see it, nor even allow himself to understand it. Now, you try to wrestle with that mentally. He's God. How does that work? Well, I don't know. We're going to have to ask him when we get to heaven. But, but it's what he says. He says, there is no sin. He says, as far as the east is from the west. How far is that? Well, you've probably heard, it is like a turn, but you've probably heard somebody say, you know, it's this big. And what's it look like? A crucifixion in the cross. Right? It's that big. That's how much his love was. Right? But he says, you're going to take this and it's not all nice. I mean, remember, we just spent a whole chapter in chapter 28 going through the garments. How beautiful and intricately woven the ephod, the breastplate, the, the garments and everything they made. And guess what's about to happen, man? They're going to put blood on it. How many of you women in here or whoever does the laundry in your house are going, oh, you're right. You just got these beautiful, clean, priestly garments and you're going to sprinkle blood all over them? Well, I'm getting ahead of myself, but, but there's a reason for that because it had to be consecrated. It had to be removed and cleansed. It had to be holy. Even the altar, God's altar, even, the, even that had to have the blood spread on it. It had to remove anything that would touch anything unholy, that was unpure, anything that had touched man and carnality had to be dealt with. It wasn't that we, it could coexist or, or, or we'll just keep a little bit of it over here. No, it had to be removed. It had to be dealt with once and for all. What does that point to? Only to Jesus Christ. That's why we don't have to put him back up on the cross. We come humbly on our knees before the living God 
and we repent and we get right and we enjoy. We enjoy relationship and fellowship. And you shall take the fat. Well, I'll skip down. Let me go to verse 12. You shall take some of the blood of the bull and put it on the horns of the altar with your finger and pour the blood beside the base of the altar. These little basins here, we're seeing that. And you shall take the fat that covers the entrails, the fatty lobe attached to the liver, and the two kidneys and the fat that is on them, and burn them with altar. This is a fun job, huh? Who's, who's got the job of dissection that week, right? Uh, it's a fun job, right? But the flesh of the bull with its skin and its offal, you shall burn with fire outside the camp. Now we see a certain kind of offering. We'll talk more about these offerings in Leviticus. But, but the first offering we says, he says, that's a sin offering. Something that has to deal with, deal with the sin. Now, did you notice what, what I read? He talked about the flesh and he said, and the awful with the dung, the waste, that's what that is. He, he says, what do we have to do? He says, you go outside of the camp and we deal with that there. He says, but the lobe, and he talks about the inwards, the inner parts, liver and or. And he, where does the transformation begin? Is it on the outside, on the flesh? Or is it on the inside? You see, that's where the sin offering begins. Dealing with what's on the inside. And getting that right. And when this is right, everything outside of us will be right. Do you see that? He says, but the flesh of the bull with its skin, its oval shall be burned outside the camp. It's a sin offering. You should also take one ram and Aaron and his son shall put their hands on the head of the ram. Again, transferring the sin. That's what they were doing there. And then the sacrifice, that, that animal. And you shall kill the ram, and you shall take its blood and sprinkle it all around the altar. Then you shall cut the ram in pieces, wash its entrails and its legs, and put them with its pieces and with its head. And you shall burn the whole ram on the altar. Here we see number two, a different kind of offering. It's a burn offering to the Lord. It is a sweet aroma. Circle that word aroma. Do you know what that means in the Hebrew, that idea of aroma? It's a sweet rest, actually. It connotes this idea of rest, not just the way we would smell something and think, wow, boy, you know, you know, boy, that smells like good barbecue or what, you know, fill in the blank. No, this, this is a sweet, like God found pleasure and rest and joy in this because sin was being dealt with. God can't stand sin. He, he doesn't exist around it, right? It, that's why the Holy of Holies was set and it had a veil to separate so that there would be no one that could, have, could go before him until the sin was dealt with. Hence, our substitute, Jesus Christ. That's why we cannot go to heaven or before him until we've had our sin dealt with. And it can only be done through Jesus Christ. There's no other way. Now, does the gospel, I mean, do you see how you, we're in Exodus, we're in chapter 29, we're reading about consecration of sons, and do you see how it keeps pointing to a redeemer, to one that has to deal with the sin of mankind so that we can have right relationship? And I'm sorry if I keep beating that drum a little bit, but, but God's already done it for us. He's showing us and he's saying, hey, share this with other people. You know, every single chapter, every passage in the Bible, it's got Jesus in it. It says it's, it's a rest that way, an offering made by fire to the Lord, right? This, this consecration, this giving everything to God. 
You shall also take the other ram, and Aaron and his son shall put their hands on the head of the ram. Then you shall kill the ram and take some of its blood and put it on the tip of the right ear. Now, this is going to be a little bit self-explanatory here, but of Aaron, and on the tip of the right of his ear of his sons, on the thumb, on the right hand of the big toe. Now, you know what to call it scripturally, right? You know what that big toe next to your smaller toes is. Its technical term is big toe, right? Of their right foot and sprinkle the blood all around the altar. So what do we see here? He's saying, Aaron, you take that blood and you put it on the tip. You be very careful what you hear. You be careful what you listen to. Listen to my still small voice. He says, and and I want you to put it also on on the sons. And I want you to put it on on the thumb. Aaron and his sons, you you be careful. You're, You're devoted unto me. You're a priesthood. Sound familiar? Royal priesthood. Sound familiar? Everybody with me? He says, be careful what you touch. Be careful what we touch. What we hear, what we touch. He says, be careful. He says, don't touch things that are profane to me. Don't touch things that are idols. Don't, touch, don't have anything to do with it. He says, in, on the right big toe there, on the right foot, be careful where you walk. Be careful where your foot takes you. Are you walking into peace? Are you walking into areas that are are bringing joy through the spirit of God? Are you walking yourself right into trouble? Are you walking into places you shouldn't be? Pornography shops or, you know, whatever it is. Are you walking into bars, getting to be, you know, drinking it up and wondering why things are falling apart all around you? God's warned, he says, no, you're a royal priesthood. You have no business in that. You have no business in that anymore. He says, come out of that. He says, I'm going to sprinkle all the blood around the altar because I want all this to be holy. You're standing on holy ground. And you shall take some of the blood that is on the altar and some of the anointing oil right? And this is really the ram, the consecration of ram we're going to be reading about, the ram consecration, if I could say it that way. And sprinkle it on Aaron and his garments and his sons and on the garments of his sons with him. And he and his garments shall be hollowed, holy again, and his sons and his son's garments with him. A true cleansing, not a healing. Big difference here. Not a healing. This is a cleansing. Not a covering, right? Or, you know, the idea behind it is a cleansing, truly hollowed and holy and devoted unto God. You can't fake it till you make it. You also shall take the fat of the ram, the fat tail, the fat that covers the entrails, the fatty lobe attached to the liver, the two kidneys and the fat on them, the right thigh, for it is a ram of consecration. Again, their lives are consecrated to God. Who did this for us? Jesus. One loaf of bread. Now do you know why he says, he says, my body. He said, it would be broken for you. One loaf of bread, one cake made with oil and one water from the basket of unleavened bread that is before the Lord. And you shall put all these in the hands of Aaron in the hands of his sons and you shall wave them as a wave offering before the Lord. The idea behind that is he would take the offering, he would wave it, he would face the altar and he would wave it before the Lord like this in his hands, basically talking and describing how it comes from God. 
it would signify that he understood everything that he's been provided, every, because what this is going to ultimately be is this is going to be what he gets to consume. He's going to eventually get to consume some of this. And so this wave offering, he understands, he says, God, I know it's all from you. I mean, is anything of ours? I mean, look, look at the money you have in your pockets right now, right? You don't need to take it out. In my case, you know, you don't want to see my wrinkled dollar, right? So, but you, you get the point. The money you have in your pockets, right? Is that ours or is it really God's? Is it, his, is, it, is it from the Lord back to the Lord? It's all his. And does, I mean, that's why in Matthew 6, he says, hey, don't be anxious about what you're going to wear, what you're going to eat, all the, he says, Am I not taking care of the, you know, sparrow, the animals like that? Am I not taking care of you? Have I, have I not met your needs? Maybe not all your wants, but have I not met your needs? Of course you have. Thank you, Jesus. And that wave offering was, was very significant because it's saying, Lord, this is, this is all from you. I'm not looking at me and understanding that any of this comes from me, God. Whatever you've entrusted me with, Lord, I'm giving it back to you. It's a wave offering. It's yours. You see how God even set up a block from pride that we would not take that and become prideful that way and say, wow, this is a really good piece of meat. I get to have this meat. This is my meat. And No, Lord, it's dedicated unto you, Lord. I like that. He says, before the Lord, you shall receive them back in their hands and burn them on the altar and burnt offering and a sweet aroma before the Lord. It is an offering made by fire to the Lord. Then you shall take the breast of the ram of Aaron's consecration and wave it as a wave offering. Again, we already talked that's, you know, understanding God's our provider. He's, he's provided it. It's from him. Before the Lord, and it shall be what? Your portion. Aaron, I've even... I've even taken care of what you're going to eat. Now, why is that important? Because Aaron, as a priest, he, did, he wasn't able to go work a job like other people were. He, this was what his office was. So God provided for his office, right? He provided for him. He took care of him. He was to be dedicated unto this. Has God not done the same for you and I, though? Has he not provided for I have an office. I'm the under-shepherd. This is what I, the Lord's called me to do. He provides so that I can do this. He, Lord, goes before me. He's, he's done it. Is he not do it for you too in your homes? Provide for you. You have food. You have shelter. He says, You're, you know, this is for you to eat. This is your portion. And from the ram of consecration, you shall consecrate the breast of the wave offering, which is waved, and the thigh and a heave offering. Now, why they call it a heave offering? Think about it. I mean, you got this big old animal. You're about, you're heaving it up, right? Actually, that is why they called it a heave offering. I'm not, you guys are looking, aha, Pat. No, really. You're heaving this big animal. If you've ever worked with cattle or big animals like this, you're heaving it up there. It's not like you're gently going, well... You know, I'm just going to place. No, I mean, you're heaving it up there. It's a heave offering for sure, man. And the ram of consecration, you shall consecrate the breast, the wave offering, which is waved, the thigh, the heave offering, which is raved, or that which is for Aaron and of that which is for his sons. It shall be from the children of Israel for Aaron and his sons by a, sta by a statute forever, for it is a heave offering and shall be a heave offering from the children of Israel for the sacrifices of their peace, offerings that is their heave offering to the Lord. Wow. And the holy garments of Aaron shall be his sons after him, handed down. 
to be anointed in them, to be consecrated in them. Every time a new installation of a priest, this would be handed down. And this process was to happen every single time a new priest would come on and be installed. That son who became priest in his place shall put them on for seven days when he enters the tabernacle meeting to minister in the holy place. There had to be a cleansing. There had to be a devotion. There had to be a consecration. There was a process. There was a process, just as there's a process for you and I. It begins with repentance, or may I even say humility, then repentance, then devotion, then sanctification. And you shall take the ram of consecration and boil its flesh in the holy place. Then Aaron and his son shall eat the flesh of the ram and the bread that is in the basket by the door of the tabernacle of meeting. Now, turn in your Bible to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 4. The writer of Hebrews, inspired by the Holy Spirit, explains to us why these sacrifices of rams and bulls and this blood was not sufficient, sufficient to take away our sin perpetually, eternally. It said, for it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sin Therefore, when he came into the world and said, sacrifice and offerings you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offering and sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure. Then I said, behold, I have come in the volume of the book. It is written of me to do your will, O God. And skip down to verse 10, but that we would have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. When I'm telling you that it's pointing to Christ, it's pointing to Christ. It always was. And why did I bring that up? Because in verse 33, we're going to see this idea, like I said, of an atonement, a covering. God wanted to give us far better than a covering. They shall eat those things to which the atonement, the cover, was made to consecrate and to sanctify them, but an outsider shall not eat them because they are holy. And if any of the flesh of the, con of the consecration offerings or of the bread remain until the morning, then you shall burn the remainder with fire. Why is that? Give us this day our daily bread that we would understand that our provisions come for the Lord and that we would rely on God and not our savings accounts, not our vats being full. That no matter how much money the Lord has blessed us and privileged us with, that we wouldn't count on that as an idol, but that we would look every day to the Lord and say, today, Lord, your daily bread may I receive for what you give I will take and eat, and I will consume, and I will be grateful. Ezekiel chapter 2, son of man, eat what I give you to eat.
It shall be not eaten because it is holy. Thus you shall do to Aaron and his sons according to all that I have commanded you. Seven days you shall consecrate them. And they only did this one time. Again, it was when they were being installed as a priest. But then after that, they, don't, they won't do this. We'll get into verse 38 and they'll go into the daily offerings. And you shall offer a bull of every day as a sin offering for atonement. You shall cleanse the altar when you make an atonement for it. And you shall anoint it and sanctify it. Seven days you shall make an atonement for the altar and sanctify it in the altar altar shall be most holy. Whatever touches that altar must be holy. Now at this point, the priest is officially installed. Now, verse 38, right? And now he's after he's installed. Now this is what you shall offer on the altar. Two lambs of the first year, day by day, continually. So we moved into the daily sacrifice, morning and evening, okay? One lamb you shall offer in the morning, and the other lamb you shall offer at twilight. With the one lamb you shall be one-tenth of an ephah of flour mixed with one-fourth of a hin in pressed oil. One-fourth of a hin, a hin is about a gallon of wine as a drink offering. Now, we read about this lamb, and we're going to read more about this lamb. Do you know, in the book of Revelation, the lamb of God who takes away the sin from the world, the lamb of God is used more than 20 times just in the book of Revelation alone to speak of Jesus Christ, who takes away our sin. And the other lamb you shall offer at twilight, and you shall offer it with grain offering and the drink offering as in the morning for a sweet rest, aroma, an offering made by fire to the Lord. This shall be a continual burnt offering throughout your generations at the door of the tabernacle meeting before the Lord, where I will meet you to speak with you. So before he can even speak with us, before we even move into the incense and the altar of incense of prayer, incense mean what in Bible? Always connote prayer. Before we could even move into that point, there had to be sacrifice. There had to be an atonement. There had to be someone that paid it all for us. That's our sacrifice, Jesus Christ. That's why we can come before the altar and we can lift our prayers on high to God and he hears every one of our prayers and we can be confident that he hears our prayers. And the prayers for others as we intercede. Because that debt has been paid. That's why when Jesus Christ was on the cross, he said, telestai, or teleo in the Greek, telestilo. It's an accounting term. It means paid in full. And that's why that veil was torn. It was no longer needed. We now can go through our incense to the altar. Prayer, as we're going to read, prayer, we can bring our prayers to, the, to God, to the living God, that he hears our prayers. And, and they're beautiful to him. And, and we're, we, we're told in Revelation that there's these bowls and that they're collected in these bowls and they sit before the throne room of God. Now remember, how would Moses know all of this if he hadn't been looking at a pattern of heaven itself? How would you even begin, how would God even begin to explain this to Moses in terms that he could understand? He had never seen any of this. It's not like he's writing it all down. He's looking at it. I believe he's seeing this. These are all pictures. He's seeing it with his, I don't know how that is happening, you know, his, his, his eye that way. But, he, but he's looking and he's seeing what's, what, what a picture of heaven and these things on earth. And, and he's saying, set these up, this tabernacle. Set up the, this, you know, ark like that. You know, where I'm going to dwell in the mercy seat. And we read about the cherubims and how and even in, you know, cherubims and seraphims in Revelation, how they surround the throne of God, where God dwells. And, and this tabernacle was so that he could dwell among us. 
and that he could have relationship and that, that he had to deal with sacrifice so that we could enter in and be with him. It's, it's a beautiful picture of heaven. And as we move into this altar of incense and we go into some of the, I mean, I can't help but thinking about the smells of heaven. You know, a lot of us, we talk about the sights. We can't wait to see. It's going to be beautiful. The gates and the, you know, everything and how the, the, the reflection of the light off of Christ himself and how it's going to permeate. It's going to be beautiful. But I don't hear a lot of people talk about the smells of heaven. We're going to see that, that God actually gives them these sort of perfumes, if I could say it that way, to build that are holy, that are not to be used for common people or in common ways, that they were to be anointed. Now, why would that be? As we go into this altar of incense and prayer and we make our way into the holy anointing all oil and why would it be? Because if you're killing animals all the time, you ever been to a butcher house where you walk in and all you smell is the blood? Have you ever been in a place like that? It, it overwhelms you. God says it's a sweet aroma. He says this, you know, what he gives here, this, this holy anointing, it covers the smell and it's a sweet smell. Everything about God is sweet. Everything about heaven is wonderful. From the, what we see with our eyes to what we smell to what we experience to what we touch. I, I don't think we even give it possibly enough credit mentally, emotionally, of what it's going to be like. I mean, the smell, everything about, I, I just, I, I'm, I long for it. I know you long for it too. It's going to be wonderful. Well, chapter 30, we'll begin. We'll get as far as we can tonight. It says, you shall make an altar to burn incense on. You shall make it of acacia wood. Now, again, incense in the Bible speaks of prayer. A cubit shall be its length, a cubit its width, and shall be a square, and two cubits shall be its height. Its horn shall be of one piece with it. That's basically describing an 18-inch by an 18-inch by a three-foot tall. One of the tallest pieces of furniture within the tabernacle that way. And you shall overlay its top, its side, and all around, and its horns with pure gold, and you shall make for it a molding of gold all around. Two gold rings you shall make for it. Under the mounting of both sides, you shall place them on the two sides, and they will be holders for the poles which you shall bear it. So picture this. Again, 18 inches by 18 inches by three feet high. Two rings on the side, poles that can go through, just like everything else that could be carried or lifted or transported when the tabernacle would move. When God said, time to move, and they would move, everybody would load this up. They wouldn't touch it with their bare hands because it was holy. So they would touch it with the poles like that, and they would make their way, and they would move. Okay. So what is interesting to me is where this is placed. Where is this placed? This is placed right before the Holy of Holies, right? The altar of incense. Well, we're going to get into that. Why? Because prayer leads to meeting. What do we do when we pray? Our prayers go up. It's part of our fellowship. It leads to our meeting, to, to being with God. It's, it's it, every single aspect of this design that God's given us has spoken to us about, about what he's given us, that we would, we would be able to communicate, that we'd be able to enter into his presence. He says, and you shall put it before the veil that is before the ark of the testimony, before the mercy seat that is over the testimony where I will meet with you. Aaron shall burn on it sweet incense every morning when he tends to the lamps and he shall be the, the menorah and shall burn incense on it. Remember, where is that? You remember you come in, the menorah is on the left. The table of showbread is on the right. 30 feet in front of you is the veil for the 
holy of holies, and before the veil is this altar of incense and prayer. You with me? You tracking with me? All right. And when Aaron lights the lamps at twilight, he shall burn incense as a perpetual incense, a perpetual prayer before the Lord throughout your generation. And isn't that what God told us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 6, chapter 5, verse 16? That we're to be doing what? Offering prayer continually? We're to pray continually without ceasing? He says, you shall not offer strange incense on it. What is that? You shall not offer strange prayer, right? Or burnt offerings or grain offerings, nor shall you pour drink offerings on it. No. He says, this is always to minister to God. This altar of incense is always for ministering to God. It is always for prayer. Our prayer is holy that way. Nothing else, no amount of religion can take its place. No amount of religion can take the place of prayer and relationship. And Aaron shall make an atonement upon its horns once a year with the blood of the sin offering, an atonement once a year, he shall make an atonement, a covering, upon it through your generation, it should be most holy unto the Lord. Right? Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, when you take the census of the children of Israel for their numbers, that in every man shall give a ransom for himself to the Lord, when you number them, that there may be no plague among them when you number them. Now we know they don't do this until the book of Numbers. The book of Numbers, right? We'll get there soon. This is what everyone among those who are numbered shall give, a half a shekel according to the shekel of the sanctuary, a shekel of 20 gerahs, because everybody knows what that means here, right? The half shekel shall be an offering to the Lord. It's redemptive money. Now, this same thing is going to be translated in the New Testament and turned, and it won't be just a tabernacle offering. What will become? It will become the temple tax. So much so that Jesus went, if you remember, and Peter was there, and he says, doesn't your master give them pay the temple tax? Why was he ensnaring him and trapping him with it? Because it was God's word that he was to do what? That they were to come and collect this for the church, for the temple, for the building, for all the things that had to happen that the Lord was going to do. And he says, doesn't your master, who claims to be God, do these things? And Peter, without even thinking of going, well, wait a minute. You want me to give to myself? I'm the, you know, I'm God? You know, Peter goes, of course we do. We do, right, Jesus? Right, we do. He he just says, of course we do. You know, Peter doesn't take too long to think. And Jesus, out of just pure love and humility and not calling Peter out, he says, you know what? Go to the fish, the Sea of Galilee, right? We, you go to Israel, we always go to the, you go to the Sea of Galilee. They got the fish there. They, you know, you open it, you see the little coin, they put it out. It's beautiful. But they go and, and do they get one coin to pay the temple tax? What does Jesus do? He provides, even for Peter. He, now, one for himself and one for Peter, all unto the Lord according to the covenant. According to what? Because they were under the uh, you know, ceremonial law at that point. He says he came to fulfill it. It's beautiful. People don't, this is where it comes from. Everyone included among those are numbered for 20 years old and above and shall give an offering to the Lord. The rich shall not give more and the poor shall not give less than a half a shekel when you give an offering to the Lord to make atonement for yourself. He says, look, rich or poor, no one is more deserving. No one's more deserving. It doesn't matter. And you shall take the atonement of money for the children of Israel, and you shall appoint it for the service of the tabernacle of meeting, that it may be a memorial for the children of Israel before the Lord to make atonement for yourselves. 
Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, you shall also make me a laver, a laver of bronze with its base, also bronze for washing. You shall put it between the tabernacle of meeting and the altar. So it's out in the corner and you shall put water in it. So wait a minute. There's a basin of brass. What's missing? I mean, everything else, we've gotten incredible detail. What's missing? When you read this, look down at your Bible. Look at me. Look down at your Bibles. What is missing? Every other one of these cases where we says, you build this. I want it to be such and such cubits by such and such cubits by such and such cubits. We get no details on size, no details on measurement. We get no details on weight. Well, hold your finger here. Turn to Exodus 38, verse 8. We're going to see it again. He made the laver, laver, depending on if you want to say it, of bronze and its base of bronze from the bronze mirrors. Is this, they had mirrors. Where'd they get the mirrors from? Egypt. They brought mirrors out with them of the serving women who assembled at the door of the tabernacle meeting. So there were even mirrors in front of us, but we're not giving any other detail. It's one of the few implements of this courtyard and tabernacle that we don't get actual dimensions on to know exactly what it is. We just know that washing, well, what does the Bible say? We're to wash our minds with the word of God. When we talk about living water, living water speaks to something different, right? Living water, Jesus, he is living water to move in the presence of God that way. But when we see washing that way in scripture, it always connotes or the idea of what? The word of God. It's speaking of the word of God itself here. And it's a picture of the washing of the word of God. You be Bereans and look that up and see if you, you see it. Living water, again, is different than the washing that way. And Aaron and his son shall wash. Well, let me back up. Okay. And he shall put water in. For Aaron and his son shall wash their hands and their feet in water from it. When they go into the tabernacle meeting or when they come near the altar to minister to burn on offering made by fire to the Lord, they shall wash with the water lest they die. So what is that saying? Washing of the water. The word of God. As we come before God, are we not to be reading our word? Are we not to be meditating? And husbands, look at me, husbands. Are you not to be reading the word of God to your wives and washing her mind with the word? As it's commanded, wives, are you not to read with your husbands that way and have your, your minds washed and cleansed that way? Children, are you not to read to your brothers and sisters? Parents, are we not to wash our children in the word of God? Is there no place where we don't wash in the word that way? But this is all before they even go into the tabernacle. Prepare, do we read the word of God expecting that when we go in, to the presence of God in prayer that he's going to speak and minister to us in his word. How, what's the primary way God communicates with us today? The word, still small voice, right? But at the word, how do we confirm, Lord, I prove what is good and acceptable? The word, right? By renewing your mind. Hold your finger here. Turn to Romans. We've read this a couple times, but I think it, it bears... It bears looking at again. Romans chapter 12. Great passage to memorize. I beseech you therefore, verse 1, brethren, by mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice first. Talking about again, what? Consecration. 
that you're no longer yours. Living sacrifice, that means that you're, you're, you're given unto God that way. Holy, acceptable God, which is, oh, by the way, your reasonable service. I love how the Lord puts it. He's like, and you should do that, right? I love how God does it. And it's, it's good. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do we renew our minds again? The word that you may prove, circle that. We can actually know. He tells us. Prove what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. How else can we know the perfect will of God if we're not in the word? He uses the word to testify, to calibrate, to teach us. You know, we, it's, it's our, it's our <laughs> I, I'm wrecked by technology. So I think of, you know, GPSs. When you start going down the wrong path, now I know the new GPSs don't do this, but when I had GPSs, one of the earlier ones, what did it used to go? Recalculating recalculating, recalculating, and you would turn around and get redirected. What does God do with the word? Isn't he gentle and he kind of gently moves us as we start, maybe we get off and we don't realize it? He's so loving. He, he uses his word. You know, we've read a passage a thousand times if we read it once. We read it that morning or that afternoon or evening, and all of a sudden we know the Lord, man, he's got us locked in his grip, and he's saying, look, I love you. Step this way. Just, just come with me this way. Move gently here so that you may prove and know the perfect will of God. What I have for you. I love that. That's a promise. So they wash their hands back here in Exodus chapter 30. So they wash their hands and their feet lest they die. They need to be cleansed. They need to be perfect that way. Going into God. Well, I shouldn't say perfect, but I should say cleansed. Excuse me, that'd be a better way to say it. And it shall be a statute forever to them, to him and his descendants throughout their generations. Grace, mercy, his face, his light be upon you, and that you would experience his perfect love, that you would really enter into that special presence of God that he desperately wants to give you. But, but you control it. He, it's not, he's not like, you know, in the Old Testament, he sort of set up a barrier. You know, he come this far, right? Couldn't go all the way up the mountain. Moses went up. But in the New Testament, he tore that veil down. He says, you come as close as you want. You come and sup with me. You come and dine with me. You come, you come into the presence, my presence, and you come as close as you want to come. Do you all want to be as close as possible to the living God? the maker, the creator of heaven and earth. I mean, and all in it, the fact that we can go before him because of Jesus Christ, his imputed righteousness, that we can enter in on that. 